1: Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. It's another happy weekend as Chelsea win yet again at Stamford Bridge. Joining me to look back on what ended up being a nervy 1-0 win against Fulham, is Jay Tomlins. Jay, how are we doing, my man?
2: I'm good, mate. Thank you for having me back on on the pod. It's been a little minute. We just said before we start the recording, finally on with a good occasion to speak about, which is nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, man. Indeed, indeed. Jay was... I wanna say last on when we lost to Forest
1: earlier this season. It's been a while and then last season just, you know, there's a there's a strong chance you were talking about a loss <laughs> whenever yeah, you were on. So it's 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 nice we've got you on for that win. Uh as always we get I get them to give themselves a plug. So Jay, tell people where they can find you and all your stuff.
2: Uh cheers, mate. Yeah. Uh Jay Tomlin's FC on pretty much everything. So on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, I'm making content. I've kind of pivoted a little bit recently. I'm going to be making not just Chelsea-specific content, just football content in general. So, yeah, check them out. Jay Tomlin's FC on everything.
1: Lovely, lovely stuff. Links will be in the description below. Right, as I said, Chelsea yesterday won the early kickoff against Fulham 1-0. It means they've now won two early kickoffs in a row and it's their first early kickoff win at Stamford Bridge, since defeating Norwich 7 0 in 2021 under Thomas Tuchel. Maurizio Pochettino now has a 100% record uh, against Fulham across all competitions. Uh, you know, that's better than any other side he's faced in his managerial careers. All win 16 goals, five clean sheets, two conceded. Um, he likes managing against Fulham. And as I said, that was Chelsea's fourth consecutive home Premier League. Win, which happened for the first time since July 2020. That's a whole Frank Lampard ago, folks. That's a whole Frank Lampard reign ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> lockdown football, out football, baby. And uh, the first time Chelsea won four games in a row with fans in the stadium since the period between October and December 2017 under Antonio Conte. So it's been a it's been a while for for fans inside Stanford to just be, you know, feeling it's that sort of some level of of confidence about going to see their team win. Jay, let's get into it. Just what were your thoughts on the game? It sort of had, particularly in that first half, like a real threat of just being one of those classic games we've seen before where Chelsea, you know, were pretty good. They controlled a lot of it, the game. They were good at winning the ball back quick, but they kind of lacked that cutting edge. And there was the danger that, you know, as we've seen in other games this season, the longer it stays nil-nil, you do give a risk up given a chance. To your position and conceding. Um, and then I said, thankfully, we do get that, that goal, which we will get onto in a bit. And then I said, the second half, for, you know, the first 25, 30 minutes was actually pretty good. We just, you know, couldn't kill that game off. And then the last 15, sort of 20 minutes was a bit like a little bit nervy at times. Like it was a bit basketball, bit bit end to end. We kept, we did have a habit of giving away some silly free kicks. At the end, um, Anthony Taylor, you know, had some classic Anthony Taylor moments. Booking Moises Kaiser for a perfectly good, good tackle as well, resulting in a and you know giving Fulham a, a free kick when a sort of an advantage had already been played, etc. Um, but Jay, just for your thoughts, because I thought you know it was it was like a, it was a fine performance. It was just you know a shame that we couldn't kill the game off earlier and had to result to being a little bit nervy.
2: Yeah, for sure, it's the it's the same old Chelsea, really. The story of this of the game kind of tells you everything that's happened this season. You know, the start was not good enough. It was slow. Um, I feel like in most games this season we've started too slow and not really gave the opposition the kind of respect that they probably deserve. And like it, you know, normally results into you know, in us either conceding or having a nil nil first half. And normally that is just terrible news for because we we struggle to break down a team and Uh, obviously we've getting that goal gave us all the kind of confidence and stuff to go into the second half and be better Uh, and like you said we we did look much better in the second half which we have done all season but again something that keeps coming up this season is just breaking a team down we just can't do it there's so many opportunities in that game where we could have buried it and made it to you know even three you nil, know, you know, with some of the good chances that's been created. And the football, the football's exciting. some of the football that's happening, a bit of the when we kick into gear and have, just make a few passes between us, I get a little bit excited, I get a little bit gassed, but then uh but then like the final pass just goes to the to them and it's like, oh for God's sake. Um so yeah, just a classic tale really of of Chelsea, because then of course we make it we make it difficult for ourselves. We, it starts getting nerve. It gets really nervy. I was proper shitting it at the end, like because uh, because cause it's us. But we know what we're like. We know we're we're very capable of giving away a goal very late on, and ruining it for us all. And obviously after off the back of the Middlesbrough result, that would have been devastating. Um, so part of me feels look like you know, a bit we got a bit lucky with that because especially our only goal was a was a penalty um, created by a good bit of play obviously but yeah I feel like I feel a bit lucky but also a bit confident hopefully we can just keep that run going now um, but you know how many times have we said that this season
1: yeah indeed indeed So I said that did make it three Premier League wins in a row as well let's get into the moment that decides the game you know it's probably the one real moment of, of quality in that first half it's a lovely ball from Cole Palmer who finds Raheem Sterling who gets fouled in the box, it means that Raheem Sterling has now won 26 penalties in the Premier League, at least three more than any other player in the competition's history. J. Cole Palmer converts it, which means no player aged 21 or under has ever scored more goals in a single Premier League season for Chelsea than Cole Palmer. And after 22 games, Cole Palmer has already scored as many goals for the club as any Chelsea player managed in the whole of last season uh, in nine. He's also provided more assists. Um, yeah, J. that's sort of the one sort of moment of brilliance and in that first half Chelsea's just final ball you know it's quite we were quite good around the box we were quite good at winning the ball back you know high up and you know being able to sort of try and maintain sort of wave after wave on them but that was the one real moment of quality where one of those balls found sort of a desired target and he goes down the box and Cole Palmer coolly converts just sort of a one, one man quality and yeah Cole Palmer kind of saying it you
2: know near enough every week pretty handy player this lad <laughs> he's good isn't he He's actually quite good, and and I'm so surprised, mate, because I really didn't expect this from him. I uh, I I witnessed him live do up as Belaqueta last season at City, and I remember thinking he's all right. Uh, but then when we signed him, I thought, oh no, that's not that's not <laughs> that's not a good signing. And then he's just proved me wrong completely. Absolutely love him. You, the the passage of play for the goal, like you said, the that that one the quick pass into Sterling just completely breaking their defence and having Sterling with all the space and creating that penalty was just wonderful. And, um, him stepping up to convert it, there was no question when he stepped up for it. And that's so impressive because of what happened against Middlesbrough, you know, the bad misses that he had against Middlesbrough, I feel like a lot of players and we're talking top players, a lot of them would have that in the back of their mind and be nervous and, and, he just didn't show any signs of that. He went, it's like he forgot about what happened in Middlesbrough, turned up to this game and be, continued to be our best attacking player on the pitch. Uh, steps up for the penalty, which is obviously a big penalty just before our time. Loads of pressure. And just it does it with ease. Does it just know like there's no pressure? And it's just so impressive to see, especially from such a young player. And, yeah, I just did not expect Cole Palmer to be our best, uh, most efficient player, but I'm happy he is because he's brilliant. And he's got a good personality, a good character about him as well, which is something this title definitely needs. So I'm happy with him, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, As I said, Jay, I think, you know, when we look about performance, there was just kind of a lot of players who just, you know, had good games, some better than others and it was just like a, in the end just a fairly solid Chelsea performance as I said you know in that second half Sterling hits a post Gallagher hits for post like you know there is you know there was opportunities to cover it off but I do want to talk about someone who actually I thought had potentially one of his best games in the Chelsea shirt and has had two really good games against Fulham that season that is Levi Colwell uh, playing at left back most touches 95 most passes into the final third 16 most jewels, 110 most possession 110 most tackles six most interceptions three. I thought he was truly, truly outstanding. And said in that opening fifteen minutes, when I thought Chelsea, you know, were were quite good at, you know, keeping the pressure on said in that period in time opening for the first fifteen minutes, he won more duels and more tackles than any other player on the pitch in my game. Um Jay, obviously, you know, there's been the left back discussion has basically just been a thing all season. Uh, you know, seeing Col there when when there's been at times have been too well available. And we've kind of seen that Levi has had his struggles at left back. He struggled in the cup at mid- Middlesbrough midweek. He had his struggles against Palace uh, a couple a week or two ago. Um, but Jay, that was from Levi a really really good performance, wasn't it? Just offensively and defensively. Like I think it was quite noticeable that we noticed, and perhaps you know a bit telling and frustrating on a Chelsea side uh, that we kind of noticed him bombing down the flanks sort or of more than Malo Gusto in fact that he was more involved, considering Gusto is you know the more natural. Fullback, but I thought that was a really good performance from Levi, and said
2: he was he was good offensively and defensively yesterday. Yeah, for sure. And again, another a similar case. I feel like to to Palmer, where uh, in midweek he was really, you know really, really cured, really criticised for his performance at left back, and the conversation around our left back has been so so. There, like why are we play the centre back at left back, blah 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 blah. Um, and all, with all that noise around him, he just again stepped up. Uh, kind of put it behind him and and put in a really good performance and and you've got to admire that kind of mentality from these players that the especially like young players like to see that building in them is just such a wonderful thing and yeah he was classic you can tell maybe Poch has gone a last last couple games maybe you haven't been attacking the way we need you to we need you up there we need you because he's good on the ball I think some people forget that you know just because he's centre-back doesn't mean he's not good on the ball he's got a bit about him when he's on the ball and his passing range is decent so having him up there is good it's just obviously getting back at the right times and stuff and he does need to figure it out I mean maybe he doesn't he is a centre-back at the end of the day and he's filling in but he is doing a job and and it just shows when Chilwell does eventually come on he's at left wing and not left back, and that's probably because Levi did a good job there um so yeah, again, another player I'm really happy with after the back of that game and and off the back of his recent form as well turning it round and not letting it get to him,
1: yeah, no, indeed, they said I think he he was quite good at sort of overlapping, you know just during that during that game and said he was just really encouraging to see from Levi and I said, I will go on to Chilwell. Oh, i I'll just touch it now, Chilwell does come on later, and I know people will be frustrated that Chua comes on left wing later, what I just will say on that is I kind of get Poch not wanting to disturb that back four, I'm wanting mm. to shift things around because that back four I think had been pretty pretty good yesterday, Silva had it as a solid game, Gusto, obviously I think is kind of a bit lucky to to stay on the pitch, but I'm kind mm. of past the point of when it comes to VAR decision all these, I'm kind of bored of discuss- discussing him because I think that was less of a red card than he got against Aston Villa but I think also factor in the Dominic-Calvert-Lewin red card against Crystal Palace. And I think that probably has some impact in the, in the way the referees are and VAR kind of operating. Like, any time there's sort of a controversy, they try and, you know, then try and... I think it alters there. Maybe it's a weird one. Like, Augusto. like, yeah, Fulham can feel aggrieved that it's not a red card. Yeah, we are probably a bit lucky. But I think over a season, this stuff, like, just does sort of even itself out a bit with just, like... And it's... And yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was really encouraging to see from, from Levi. Uh, Jay, I thought for midfield to Enzo and Caicedo I mean Caicedo like, minus Vieira against Barra was pretty good midweek mm-hmm. um, and in general just like recent weeks he's just been like a solid solid performer and I said I do find some of the narrative that you kind of read from from pundits online and sort of just you know in the other spheres people like, I do kind of question how much how deeply like they're actually watching Chelsea games because you look at him
2: and he is just so so solid
1: yeah he is and he like
2: he's been kind of going under the radar a little bit, to be fair, maybe because of some of the bad performances from other players, but he has just been consistently putting good performances in his, the way he can break down the midfield and, and break down like an attack in play from, from deep. It is really impressive. And it's exactly what we bought him for. You know, I think for once, for once maybe we've bought a player that's actually what, you know, he's doing the role we wanted him to, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, he's he's been really confident and calm in there. And I think, uh, like I said, a bar of a few mistakes, he, which he's going to make, he's a young player with a massive price tag. I think every mistake is highlighted even more. So the media and the fans will do that. But he's just been getting on with his job. He's playing week in, week out. We need him. Uh, and I'm really, really happy with the way he's, he's doing that and taking on the role. Like I said, I think he's just a bit getting on with his business. You know, and I like that about him Is and... and so yeah, I'm I'm really happy with him and uh, the other midfielders. You know, I think you say he's maybe doing a bit silently because other players aren't doing as good. And I think up until before yesterday's game, Enzo hasn't been that great and in, in the last couple of games, in my in my opinion, anyway. So I think he's been maybe taking a little bit of the funder away. But uh yesterday he was brilliant. He was really good. I think he was given that bit more freedom. Uh, he was playing his game and, and he really looked alive yesterday and he, hopefully he's another one of those players that's going to turn a little bit of the tide now and, and get on with his business like Kaiseido and those two can continue to, to grow that partnership in there but but yeah, that's how I feel. We took it all We brought them to our land
0: An endless night Ember hot and icy cold The rage of the earth
1: Well, let's get on to, you mentioned Enzo, let's get on to it, and I'll throw in one of the first list questions we got. It, it said, I find it difficult to get a read on Enzo. He seems to be generally viewed as having been playing very well recently. I just don't see it. He's been slightly above average in my view. Do you guys think he's playing as well as everyone thinks or not? So let me get Enzo Fernandez's game by numbers yesterday, because I do think yesterday... Was one of Enzo's be- Enzo Fernandez's best games for a while. Ninety-three touches, twenty-five passes in the final third, nine goals won, eight touches in the opposition box, six times possession won, four take-ons completed, free chances created, free tackles, free clearances, two shots. Um, you know, Jay, I think Enzo Fernandez, I think yesterday was probably one of his best games for a while. I think it probably did help, but I mean, I'm just looking at that ninety-three touches. He was on the ball a lot. He was able to just to, to just roll the ball about and do his thing, and you know. Just, just sort of try and dictate play as he could. What I will say, the for one thing, I do find really bizarre and frustrating about Anza Fernandez. He can play the most delicious ball across the pitch, and then he can just misplace a simple six-yard pass <laughs> that can leave you like in a sort of dangerous potential position, like on the transition, yeah. Um, yeah. which he sort of did yesterday. But, but I thought he was he was good yesterday. And as you know, to the question about his you know performances um, overall, I you know I think it's I think he's been fine. Like in general for Chelsea this season. I think overall his performance has been fine with games like yesterday, you know, some of his best. Obviously, I don't think, you know, Poch has necessarily been getting the best out of him at times this season when he's played him higher up. Um, I think, you know, when Enzo is can, is deeper and able to to just do his thing, Because I said, you see in that first half, there's a lovely ball that he plays sort of over the top to, I think it's Sterling. And then obviously I don't think it ends up leading to, to much. But it is also, in regards to, I also do think it can be quite hard for Enzo if like we are yesterday at times, we are a bit static and there's not necessarily much movement. Like, if you look at that game, I don't think Chelsea necessarily were great out wide, particularly. Like I said, I can't remember Malagusta really being a threat down the right-hand side loads. Levi was certainly the more noticeable attacking fullback. And at times yesterday, it did just feel Chelsea were playing very narrow in a very small, just playing in a very small, confined area of a pitch, which does also make it quite hard for Enzo, what I you know I thought, but I thought he was he was pretty good yesterday. I think you know midweek I thought he was he was solid. I was you know I didn't mention of a pod midweek because I you know I it's just like it was late and there were just other things to talk about. But I did find his substitution ahead of someone like Connor midweek a tiny bit bizarre, given I think Enzo had been more influential in mm. that game midweek. Um, but Jay, just what were your thoughts because you said you kind of think he'd been you know you were not too overly infused by him you know recently, but yesterday he was good just. Thoughts. As I said, I think he's like he's done fine. I think obviously you know he's maybe not kicked on quite how much we'd have liked, but I, you know overall this season I'd say his performances have been fine. With a few games where he's just been really quiet and just kind of anonymous, and then a few games like yesterday where he's been you know actually impactful and controlling Benvis. You know a decent ch- chunk of games where he's just
2: fine. Like just thoughts. Yeah, well I think that's where the frustration comes from because you know what he's capable of. Um and I think it's partly to do with him partly to do with patch I think Poch, you know, playing him out of position, maybe giving him a role that he's not good at is never gonna help him. But yeah, I think I think for a large part of the season he has just been anonymous, and obviously a lot of the players have been rubbish this season, so it's hard to single him out. But you know, I just don't feel like he's offering anything in these games so far, like like you say in some games. So that's where my frustration lies with him, especially because he's been here for a while now. You know, he's he's had a good amount of time in a Chelsea shirt, uh, opposed to some of the other lads who uh you know not long joined but yesterday we saw the absolute best of him I think like you say positionally if you looked at like the average position he's on like the halfway line pretty much and I think you know so he he's like that literally a midfielder in between helping out the defense getting the ball getting it forward like that proper proper like playmaker in, in the middle of the field and I think it you know we are striking a balance with Kayseda behind him being a bit more defensive, breaking it up, and then you've got a person like Conor Gallagher in front of him who's been a bit more attacking, but also pressing from the front. Uh, there's a there's a good balance there with those three, and I think Enzo finding his feet in the middle of that field, getting those passes off, is exactly what we need him to do. And yesterday I was absolutely buzzing with him. I think he you know, potentially did deserve man of the match. He was very influential. He was on the ball a lot more than I'm used to seeing him, and I think that's that's where my frustration is. I don't see him enough in a game. And with the kind of player he is we need to. So yeah, buzzing with his with his performance yesterday.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. As I said I think, you know, as I said, I think a while ago, if I was to give him sort of like when well, I I can't remember when a few weeks ago, but I said on pod, if I was kind of judging his season, it would probably be like a B minus or something similar to, you know, some other players like and Caicedo, and my probably stars of like Caicedo has probably changed. I would, you know, Caicedo I'd be sort of just moving to like a solid B or something at this point because he's been putting in some really just solid performances recently. Yeah, Enzo, like I said He's fine. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, doing, doing badly. I don't think he's really been, I don't think he's ever been really bad. I just think he's just been maybe quiet and just fine. And just like I said, I've not, you know, been like wowed by him loads this season. I think the way he started this season, I was like really encouraged. Him and then we didn't really, then it sort of tailed off a bit. And then there's just been the odd, like, really super game here and there. Yeah. Answer to the question. Like he's doing fine. Like I said, I think he's, he's been playing alright i said you know maybe i don't think he's necessarily been ex- exceptional but you know he's been he's been fine yesterday was definitely one of his one of his best games uh
2: for a bit uh Jay, I'll in in the... sorry mate but... getting the, the man of the match as well like uh and you know he's obviously seemed very proud about it posting it on his story and stuff uh that's another good thing as well mate you know gives him that encouragement you know i can be that player i can influence the game this much and hopefully going forward we see way more of him like that
1: yeah, no indeed. said so I thought he was he was fairly solid against Middlesbrough midweek and was a bit unlucky to be the one substituted. Uh, you know, got a goal against goal against Preston and was was fairly solid. Like he's had a good I guess he's had a good, you know, a few games. Obviously, I know Luton when he came on as a as a sub in that game, he was basically just anonymous because, you know, the ball kind of just bypassed him. Luton were kind of playing out wide and and horizontal, you know, and in the uh, air, and not really middle park. It wasn't really a chance for Enzo to sort of stamp his authority and he said he's had some injury issues as well recently, like we still don't know necessarily how fit he is as well. So I'm kind of, you know, I don't want to sort of be going in on him too hard because he did sort of, you know, there were the talks of, you know, playing with sort of a bit of an injury as well. So no, like he's, he's doing fine this season. Like I don't, you know, he, he, it would be nice if he, you know, been performing at a higher level, of course, but I don't really, haven't really had too many gripes with his performances this season. It's just been times like, okay, you've just been a bit, bit quiet. Uh, Jay, a person I do want to talk about, I need some more praise on, uh, Petric in goal, you know, just did what was what was needed, made a really important save in that first half uh, at 0-0 and, you know, made some really important made really important saves in the second half. It's quite, it's just simple sort of no nonsense, really. It's, you know, you don't get really sort of that potential heart attack that you do in goal with Sanchez whenever, you know, Geordie sure his distribution might not be the best, but he doesn't really faff about or, you know, mess around with it. And He is just, you know, being really solid. And that is just looking like a really good bit of business. I mean, we have to wait and see what happens when Sanchez is, you know, really ready and back fit to to start. But as I said, in the meantime, like, Petrovic has got to be our number one, right?
2: Absolutely, mate. Sanchez does not get a sniff when he's fit. I really... I love this Petrovic lad, you know, he's like, said, just no nonsense. He's come in, he's done his job, he's made some saves that he's absolutely needed to, made some incredible saves that you don't expect many keepers to get to, and he's done that as well. He's just been solid, you know, eight, nine out of ten most games, you know, even saving that pen a few weeks ago. and, And yesterday he was solid again, putting in some of those saves that you expect a keeper to make, but with our keeper history over the past couple of years, we haven't seen much of that. Uh And especially with Sanchez, you know, you just don't trust him. You don't feel safe. You should feel safe with a keeper, and you just don't with him. And that will affect not only the fans when the in, in the ground and us watching, but also like the you know the defenders in front of him. They need to feel safe with with him behind him. And I don't know if he gives off that vibe. Whereas his Petrovic, like he really does feel safe, some of the saves he's made. Some the way he comes and commands the box when a ball's coming in, you know, and, and he just goes and grabs it most of the time. He's decision making as well with the running. Like say if there's a uh, an attacker running and like there's only one man, he'll he'll make the decision to go or to stay really quickly. And yeah, like absolutely our number one now. I can't see Sanchez getting in ahead of him. Uh, anytime soon unless he has a proper stinker so yeah but i'm um, just over oh, the moon with him because another one of those that i just wasn't expecting like obviously i don't watch uh, mls football so i was not expecting and uh, much from him but he was great
1: yeah uh Nonny comes on and i think again he's pretty pretty solid you know yesterday again he's just putting you know some solid performances um together Alfie Gilchrist comes on and just does his annual, you know, seeing the game out and just, you yeah, know, right. <laughs> his annual punt into into Rose Ed, etc. Lovely love stuff that. from him. And said, Chilwell comes on and you know, actually, I just think comes on looks really good yesterday and just sort of helps calm us down a little bit. Uh, Jay, one of my gripes and frustrations, and we'll touch on more a little bit as well. One of the questions I did just think at times like there were some players who wanted far too many touches on ball and did slow us down a lot. Mm. Connor was I found really frustrating to watch yesterday. I found him quite frustrating to watch midweek. I think Poch kinda of got frustrated him a bit yesterday as well. Like he just wanted so like loads of touches and he did also kinda of tend to pass it backwards along. It was just kind of the opposite of what, you know, sort of other players were doing. But, and then I thought, Armando oh, you man, man. I'm I I kinda like there's there's like raw stuff there to like, but jeez, that man wants far too much time on the ball, wants to take far <laughs> too many touches, doesn't he? Oh
2: mate, yeah, he does. There's there's a, there's a probably two opportunities there where where he could have at least got a shot off and a shot on target and if not a goal, but it, he just did not take him. He just it keeps the you know t- taking a touch. He wants that perfect position to take a shot. As an and he needs to learn that you never get that in football. You need to he needs to be more instinctive because we saw him. Uh, I can't remember what game it was. Was it the last game? No, of course not. Against Preston. Um, where the instinctive header that he had the ball's come in, he's jumped up, he's got his head on it and it was all instincts and he show how much quality he does have he needs to have that same feeling with his feet uh, getting in the box, getting a bit of space, nicking it and going and, and not taking all these touches because yeah, the thing is if he scores that goal after all these touches yeah it looks sick but I'd rather him have a shot on target because that's just we're testing the keeper that way uh, yeah, it's so so frustrating. Same with Kyler as well. I think he's been one of our best players this season, but the last couple of games he's just losing it a little bit, may- taking too many uh, touches, as you said, may- just bad decision making. Like there's a few times where like there's a there's been an overlap in winger or defender, and he's he's decided to pass backwards or inwards instead. Uh, where where you feel like if he passed out in the wide, we're creating a bit more chances that way. That being said, though, he did rattle the post. And that was such a beautiful shot outside the boot, kind of thing, and that would have that would have changed the the feeling about him. I feel like just a little bit getting that goal and securing the game for us. But but yeah, it's frustrating to say the least. But I think Broers has got a lot to learn um, as a striker, and I feel like hopefully with Jackson being out, he's going to have just time to to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, we kind of while we're chatting on oh, Amanda, I'll throw in one of the listener another listener question came in from R J. Thoughts on Broers' performance and whether he should start. Uh, the second leg, the Borough Obviously, RJ will get. You know, Bro's game by numbers. Be full and thirty-eight touches, fourteen out of fifteen passes completed, eight touches in the opposition box, eight jewels, one four take-ons completed, two shots, one chances, one chance created, one foul. One like, I think he was okay yesterday. Like I've given those those stats, and it was a quite interesting squawker. Led this final line about was led the line well. I thought he led the line okay. Um, <laughs> he was like he was there and as for your question like, I was like just considering what we saw in that first leg against Bard, like I, I would want I would want him up there I would want a, a focal point up top I know he's you know there's not necessarily loads of confidence in him at the moment but I just would want him in that team for Middlesbrough because I yeah I just think that's who I would want you know maybe there's a question if you then does he start the Villa cup tie after that I don't know obviously there's a little brain now, but I would, I would certainly want him starting against Barr I said, I thought he was fine yesterday, but he just, he needs to, he needs to just saw his feet out and just get a shot away because he said, there were opportunities for him to get shots away yesterday and then he just ends up in his shot just being blocked and it kind of leading to nothing and at times when he's played in, he, or he doesn't actually take on a man he looks to again pass back or whatever and just like, he does feel quite a lot of time he takes a safe option or he just delays, you know, just delays, delays, delays and he just can't and then, and then the attack sort of just Gets killed, but again, we'll see if he was to get similar service like he saw him got in the second half against Preston. Then I would think absolutely we'd want him starting against Middlesbrough because I'd back him to put one of those away. I know we're obviously one nil down from that first day against Middlesbrough. And, you know we need need a goal, but again, I think you look at in that Middlesbrough game, our chances what we saw sort of really had in that that game were from saw Middlesbrough giving the ball. To us, or us taking a speculative shot, and then the keeper looking a bit susceptible, and us trying to get in on a, getting on a on a rebound. I don't think you know we look great without Broyer. Against Middlesbrough, we didn't drastically improve when he came on, but again, I'm struggling to remember a game where Chelsea have gone into a game without a recognised number nine this season and done great. Apart from potentially, I think is it the City game because the City game Jackson's a sub, isn't it? Mm. I think, oh no, Jackson starts, it was Arsenal, it was Arsenal, sorry, Arsenal we didn't start with a recognised number nine, and we did look quite good in that game, Um, so maybe, but I don't know, I just feel like I prefer Armando to start, I said, I don't think he's, he's, like, reality is when you're watching him, and as much, and I hope people now are kind of, like, gathering a bit of a new, or some more appreciation for Nicholas Jackson, because, yeah they do realise, and the greatest respect to Armando, and I do think, you know, there can be a player there, there can be a good player there. There is quite a big downgrade on on Nicholas Jackson right now to this this Chelsea team. But no, RJ, long with the answer to your question, yes, I would start with him against Middlesbrough, but he needs to be, you know, get the ball out quicker, just try and link up play a little bit. Link up uh, bay, just try, you know, he just needs to basically, you know, have less touches because I said he's going to have, you know, this is not, you know, potentially, you know, playing at a, at a Southampton Premier League, like he was back then, or like a lower, type club like Chelsea, like teams are gonna, you know, be on you that bit more defensively. You're not gonna quite have the areas to operate that you maybe did in the past. Um, but Jay just thoughts like I, I would start him against Middlesbrough, even if you know I don't actually have full confidence in because I would just rather see him in the in the front three. To be honest, if we were talking about Middlesbrough now quickly, I mean, I I'd I'd like to see a um, a Maduike, uh, a Madwaki Palmer, um and And bro you
2: front free yeah, that sounds good. that does sound good, yeah, I'd definitely start him uh, this team play with a striker, that's the clearly the the plan and the vision from puuch, who likes having a striker, I think you know, so any sort of um patterns of play normally look like they revolve around a spot striker, you know, so I feel like we can't really not play one or at least start him, I think uh. If it's just not working and we're desperate for goals, then, yeah, maybe you make a drastic sub at uh, half-time or, or even 60 minutes in. Uh, but you definitely start and you give him that opportunity to be the, the focal point. I think, he, like you said, he's fine being the focal point. He can get the ball. He can hold it up a little bit. Maybe he takes too many touches in that, but definitely just need one there. And I think that line that you just said, mate, Palmer, Madweki, Brozier, it's exciting. It's fun and it's exciting and it's young and it's not got sterling in it, so I'm all for it.
1: (laughs) Well, let's go on to listener (laughs) questions now then, because there is a listener question on that.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at
0: Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: That listener question comes in from Dano Burgess. Any chance of a Saudi club coming in for that waste of sterling? Yes, you won the pen, <laughs> but his level of performance is just so turgid. Uh, <laughs> Jake, Raheem Sterling. I was kind of bigger on him than a lot of people you know, this season at various points. But even I must admit, Raheem Sterling is very much testing my patience. It also just feels very Raheem Sterling, but again, he is kind of involved in kind of the defining moment of the game that Chelsea win, yeah. despite being pretty, pretty quiet, and pretty just anonymous elsewhere. Yeah. I still maintain such a bizarre footballer to analyze. He, he gets a goal against Preston, wonderful free kick, and I still think he was pretty rubbish. Wins the <laughs> penalty yesterday, and I think was pretty anonymous. Yeah. Like, I find it a bit frustrating and baffling that he's now back in all of a sudden. Like, you know, he, he gets that goal against Preston and all of a sudden, you know, he starts midweek in the Carabao Cup. Is just anonymous, does nothing really. gets And he's now sort of back-headed for pecking order, headed Mudrick and Maduaki, who have probably been in better form than him. Yeah. So that's probably one of my great support. But uh, yeah. Any chance of a Saudi club coming in for Sterling? Well, I don't know, Dano. Jay, I'm going to throw out a question here for you, which is, you know, this is this is never ever going to happen. But Kareem Benzema is allegedly available. Allegedly, his Saudi Arab, his club in Saudi, are allegedly looking to potentially. Would you, if it were possible, would you go Benzema Sterling swap deal? Straight swap,
2: yeah, just to get Sterling out the door. <laughs> <laughs> just to, if if you're talking, do we get Benzema in? I'm starting to go. Oh, do we? Don't we? We'll have to think about that. But if it's a straight shot for Sterling, I'm just not biting your hand off, it, mate. I can't stand watching him play football. I've had enough. It, it, it's so frustrating to watch. It's so like, annoying. Like you you're like mate that pass, doesn't make it. Don't fall over. Falls over. And like you say, it's even more frustrating when he he's, he has an absolute stinker of a game, but then we'll get the foul to get the pen, like you say. That's even more annoying. Like it's like because then you can't like Potches are put in a position where you're like do I have to start him probably because he'll get us that goal, but uh, or that that moment. But you know, like you say, Mudrick and Madueke have been so much better than him. Um, so I hope, I really hope a Saudi club comes in for him, mate. I think that would be wonderful. Uh, get the wages away as well because I think that's a big thing. He's the highest earner at the club. Um, so <laughs> so yeah, straight swap deal for Benzema. i taking your hand. you biting your hand off for that one.
1: Fair enough, it would also be very Chelsea to potentially go for another wash striker yeah, at the yeah, age yeah. of 30. It would, no yeah, it would be classic Chelsea to, <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah, Karen Benzema, one of the best centre forward displays I sort of saw at Stamford Bridger a couple of years ago or so when he when he scored trick yeah against us. Uh but I you know a lot of times past events, I know, I'm just being silly. Uh, you know, very I would not, you know, I would not really take into any seriousness Chelsea and Benzema, but you know, who really thought we'd get Joe Felix? In January last year, who knows? Maybe a six month loan, who knows? Uh, that was just me kind of throwing a potential. What if, yeah, so it's weird. Like, I just think, like, I didn't really. If, if Mudrik and Madawaki hadn't been performing like recently, then I wouldn't really have as many gripes with Sterling starting. But the fact is, Madawaki's basically been in good form like recently. He comes on yesterday and, he, and he's pretty, pretty lively. And he's certainly like on current form, I think, more deserving to be starting than yeah. Sterling. And yeah. even Mudrick, you know, I found it a bit. Sort of bizarre, sort of how sort of limited he's sort of been since all sort of that, you know, Crystal Palace game where he starts. He's not necessarily been seen seen as much since then. And yeah, like I know people maybe say Poch is under pressure to get results, etc. And I understand in normal circumstances going to more senior options, but the fact is that the younger options in Mudrick and Madowicki have
2: been playing better than Sterling. So I find that bizarre. That's um, it as well. He's that- a senior player, but doesn't that like it? Like he doesn't give off that senior, you know, leader role, does he? He Just Uh, like flaps around the pitch, like, (laughs) like you know, you'd think they'd look towards the senior player, but they don't. Like, yeah, it it adds to the frustration how uh, his age as well, actually.
1: So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, we we've already sold Arsenal quite habits, uh, so maybe (laughs) maybe we could we we could try convince Arteta for uh, for Raheem Sterling. I don't know. Look, I'm not. I'm like, Jay, I'm probably not as in is in <laughs> as desperate a hurry to offload Raheem Sterling. Um, I would very much, you know, still, you know, have him around, have him involved. And look, who knows? We'll have to see, like, where Chelsea's season progresses. I'd imagine if Chelsea have a form of Europe next season, then probably someone like Raheem Sterling is probably quite useful to have and it could be quite you know and I know it depends what competition it is because you know sometimes Europa League or Europa Conference League you might think it'd be a better chance to play the younger players but who knows maybe that's Reem Sterling's level for Chelsea next season you can just snap out in the, in the Conference League or, or the Europa League against against teams I've never heard of um, I don't know. That's assuming we're together, but we are, ladies and gentlemen. Of the time recording up to the giddy hypes of eighth place, and said we will be stay the case if, if United lose to Spurs today. So uh, it's a, it's mad times we live in. Eighth place, people, eighth place, and said we're we're level on goal difference. We're sorry, we're level on points with Brighton, just behind them on on goal difference. And we're three points off by Sam and six people. So you know, all of a sudden the Europe, the Europe, the European conversation is one to potentially start having. But yeah, Dano, uh, I, Dan-o I don't know, man. Like we'll we'll see. Uh, uh, like my, I think the reliance of Sterling in this team is certainly less than it was at the start of this season, which I think is probably a decent thing. Uh, next question comes in from Gabs, who placed an African voodoo curse on the goal. Jay, one goal in our last two games. This, you <laughs> know, free I, in, in quote marks. I'll like, say free scoring Chelsea before that. Like we we didn't have too much of an issue scoring, and now all of a sudden scoring goals seems quite hard again, like against Middlesbrough. <laughs> Palmer missed some guilt edge chances. We hit the post twice yesterday. Is it a simple case that Nicholas Jackson has gone to Afcon and said, "No, you're 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 gonna, you know, this is this is a this is a big fu tool for people who are uh, who sort of doubt me and who don't who don't rate me." He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna curse you till I'm back, Chelsea. You're gonna you're gonna
2: struggle for goals in my absence." I don't know.
1: Let's just hope they get
2: knocked out early doors, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's mad it's mad in it because like Jackson's such a weird player. I can't rate him. He gets goals. Doesn't look great, but he gets goals, doesn't he? So that's what you want him to do. Um, and yeah, he's put some some horrible curse on us to, and I don't blame him. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah so, but, it maybe, yeah, maybe it's just teams, it you know, realising that if they put a low block, we don't score. Maybe it's just that. Uh, well, I'd rather take the curse option because that's funnier. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, next question
1: comes in from Jam. What do you think we still have to work on? Jam, to be honest with you, quite a lot, mate. Um, we will. One of those is is our ability to break down low blocks, which is another question that came in from Hayden, opinion on our lack of ability to break down low blocks on the consistently. So I will go that here. I'll go, I will we'll do the low block first, because I think that is certainly an area we've got to work on. Jay, I think one is probably as we kind of touched on it, in that first half, it was quite as good as Chelsea were when he was back quickly. And I was really happy with how often and how quickly we won the ball back. You know, I thought that was really good. We just slow down when we get you know, near the box and our passing our is just a bit safe and a bit slow, sideways, backwards, whatever. And I think it's quite telling, but the one moment you see someone like Cole Palmer make that pass, just takes that takes, or takes that option, that riskier or potentially option. It does lead to, to, to space and certainly getting fouled. And I even take you back to the Crystal Palace game in the lead up to Mudrick's goal. and Nkunku plays a crucial pass that gets... Uh, that gets Whoever it is, Gust- I think it is Gusto, down that yeah. down that left hand side to square to to Mudrika. And is it maybe perhaps as simple as, you know, the lack of blood breakdown, down low balls consistently? Is it one obviously potentially personnel in a sense that if we've got onkunku and Palmer playing in a team, but that will help just with their with their sort of attacking qualities and their sort of creativity higher up the pitch. And I guess my second point is also a bit of movement, because I think we did see Enzo Fernandez his distribution, he was pretty good and he was good. He he was able to pick balls out a bit more freely yesterday, but you know, he probably still did lack sort of a lot of, you know, he didn't necessarily have the runners. And I think is it essentially, but we are still a bit
2: too static at times. Yeah, it's it's, it's all of the above, isn't it? That's the thing you said to to Jam's question. It's like, what do we need to change? A lot a lot needs working on. I think um all of those things, the the static nature of the the way we play, I think just a bit of confidence as well because when when we are playing well, when we are nicking it about making a few, uh, you know, quick passes and and someone's looking for that final ball, opposed to just passing it around, like we look dangerous. We we actually do. Um. So just the confidence to 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 have in themselves and being like, look, yeah, we can do that. We can look at this is something that we are, we all are capable to do. We're all talented players, and I think sometimes like maybe the pressure gets to them a little bit, and that's why they just stop and pass it around. Whereas if if they had the 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 confidence, like Palmer does have, to just take it on, and and I think Maduwake has a lot of that as well. Um, we, we'll see more results, and and also just these players playing together. Of of course, you know, Palmer and, and Maduwake seem to be getting a nice little partnership going on. We were just getting used to Jackson in the side, and he's gone now. So like. It's And then Cuckoo coming in for a few games, showing us the absolute quality that he's got and then him having to leave. So there's that to, to factor into it as well, the, how many times do these players actually get to play with each other so know the runs that they make and have that consistency because they're struggling with that. I think we saw yesterday there was a moment where Gusto just passed it out of play because he thought a player would be there and wasn't. It's was just little things like that will, will make a difference and only time can really help us with that. And I think just in the meantime, we need to be more confident in our ability because there are some talented footballers out there
1: yeah indeed indeed Now as for jam's question what do we still have to work on i do think the game management still has got to be worked yeah. on like i find it bizarre that you looking in that team yesterday and the three players with the best sort of game management of that situation yesterday i thought were tiago Silva, as i would expect ben chua coming on as i would probably say and then alfie gilchrist like yeah. those three seem to have the best sense of game station it's like i love Nonny and i love all these sports. but they're doing like flicks and trying all these up paths like one nil up and i'm like Boys, like yeah, time, sure. like game management. Think, and I do think as well. Like I, Levi was excellent yesterday, but I do think towards the end he did give away, give away a sort of couple of like free kicks in like dangerous areas, which he, you know, can be a threat for Fulham. And there was one dangerous ball that went in, but we just about dealt with. I think that's an area game manager to improve on. And I think on that, I think that situation potentially could have maybe improved if there's maybe someone like a on the pitch at some point. Because Jay, at some points, like when Chelsea were breaking. It was like Enzo Fernandez breaking down, like, the left. And with a great respect to Enzo, he's not quick. Like, and he can't really punish you. And there were opportunities. If you've got, like, a mudrick on, you know, and he's he's on the pitch. And who knows? I'm I'm trying to work out where, like, where I'd have, like, moved everyone around here. Because, you know, was obviously on the pitch. But if you, say, got a mudrick on at, at some point instead, like, there is a potential. Because Enzo Fernandez at points, like, he's sort of, like, Chelsea is sort of countering a breaking bit. It's Enzo leading the break and the, and the left. And I'm like, Enzo, Enzo's played a full 90. He's not that quick anyway. And he's kind of just, like, there. The subs yesterday. Um, we'll get into it because I know that tends to be a, ter- a turning point. I said Noni coming on for Armando sixty six didn't really have an issue because Armando you know pretty 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 ineffective. But yeah, Chile for Sterling seventy seven. I don't know. Could you maybe? I said could there have been an option for Mudrick to come on? You know, for for Palmer earlier or or maybe Connor earlier or, or one of those. I still think you can keep keep Sterling on. I said it is nice, for Connie you Know we saw Carney back yesterday, potentially boring, but he's allegedly had to ch- change his running style. Um, but I'm trying to imagine that can't exactly be the easiest thing to, to do. That's what so uh, allegedly Matt Law said or on London's book.
2: How'd you even do that?
1: <laughs> exactly, I think that's yeah, exactly. That's quite 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 an interesting one, but when started I'd today. say, <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I would just say jam, obviously, probably the game, the game manager, because it, it is kind of frustrating, like. What I would say yes is I was kind of not as fearful as I was against other teams because with a great respect. And as much as I love Willian, I wasn't that fearful of Willian unless it was a dead ball situation like a free kick. Mm. And I was also quite frankly with Raúl Jiménez mm. uh, up front for them. Like I know he's been in quite good form for them recently, but he's clearly not the player he once was. And I can think it's kind of summed up with Fulham, but I don't actually think they were great in an attacking sense yesterday. They had opportunities potentially in transition to punish us, but then you see Raúl Jiménez go for a pot shot from the halfway line because he thinks he because he sees Petrovic a bit off his line. But like, I think we were aided oh, yeah, a bit in Fulham. So them, funny, they had like them, a just, two uh, on one, and he was like, yeah. <laughs> Fulham sort of brain dead attacking at points. So
0: yeah.
1: I think like there's still quite a bit to work. And said we've got to move the ball quicker at points. Like as good as we were in that first half, mm. like winning the ball up high. And they said you saw in my game. Like we were able to sustain wave after wave of pressure on Fulham, but we just didn't really do enough with it. And that's the thing. Like we did, we've got to capitalise when we were on top. That game. Probably should have been killed off, and then it's not, and then it gives Fulham confidence, and it means that last 10-15 minutes is is a little bit um, is a little bit tense. So no, there's I think Jam there's still quite a lot to work on. It's nice we have got a clean sheet, um, which is good because we've not kept too many clean sheets in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I don't even know how many we've kept. That, was yes, yesterday might have even been the first or only the second since that, that Fulham game, you know, in the in the back end of October for Chelsea, but in the Premier League. So it's not like clean keeping clean sheets have been, you know, something consistent. So mm-hmm. that was nice. But as I said, we've still got to, you know, work on quite a bit, I think, as a team. But at least, Jam, we are kind of, we have got some results. As I said, I know people were not people are perhaps not too infused by Chelsea at the moment. But we've won three league games in a row for the first time in a while. Uh, I think since they said October twenty twenty two, which was last season or so I'm imagining that would have been well, I would have included West Tuchel's final game, West Ham. That would have been included the uh, Palace and Wolves games under Potter. So it's been sort of whilst Chelsea have won three league games in a row as well and said, like, at least at the very least, Chelsea finding a way to win. Like, that's three narrow wins in a row. All sort of, I guess, sort of a little bit you know, different. Said 3 2, 2 1, 1 0. All had bits in the game which were really good. All had bits that were a bit. Scary, etc. But Chelsea have sort of found a way. So while there is a lot to improve, Jam, as we kind of listed, I also think it's quite nice. And I know there's a lot of just frustration with things around the club. And I will get onto the Argyle promotion in a second yesterday. But I do think, you know, overall, as we're seeing at the time of recording, eighth, and okay, that could be nice at the end of the weekend. But Chelsea are not at the time of recording that far off European places. And for a, you know, I don't think many of us, I don't think none of us were predicting this team would get Champions League this season. And, you know, we thought maybe this team could get Europa League potentially, like the Europa League was perhaps the seeding of this, of this team. And we said, we're three points off of a Europa League spot at the time of recording. So it's not a bad place to be in. I think obviously Middlesbrough Midweek did a lot to damage the mood. And I completely yeah. understand that because that should be a result that is not acceptable and shouldn't be happening. But if we progress past Middlesbrough, then we can kind of in the end that result doesn't matter because it's a two legged cup tie and we'd have still gone through if we get the business done in the second leg. And as I said Chelsea have a ten day break now and there is the opportunity for Chelsea. By the time Chelsea next play a Premier League game, where well, we could be we could be eighth, who knows? We can maybe be we could maybe be um be seventh um if Brighton lose uh, their game. And you know, we could be not far off West Ham, although West Ham got Sheffield United, so I'd, I'd back on West Ham winning that, but there's the opportunity Chelsea could you know, not be far off fair. and if they've progressed in both Cup ties, which granted, the Aston Miller game will be you know, considerably, will be quite quite a tough ask, but then all of a sudden, before Chelsea next play a Premier League game, the mood can feel quite different. We could potentially be in a European place and through to a Carabao Cup final and through to the fifth round of the FA Cup, and even if it's only temporary because Liverpool does a game after that, and we'd imagine we might struggle there and we might sit down again, but even if it's temporary, just like try, I said to people, just try and enjoy the small wins because I said four wins in the row of Bridge, and granted, I know the manner of Chelsea's wins recently has not been the most convincing, but also, like, let's be real, how how fun has going to Stanford Bridge been for fans in the last 18 months, two years? Not really hugely fun. So it's quite nice in a way that at least there's a sense of a feeling that potentially things are starting to get back a little bit to normal. A bit of things for Stanford Bridge games back to be a happier place. So yes, there's a lot to work on, but I do think, you know, there are some encouraging signs. And I said, you look at the, you know, a form, you know, post-Wolves, Post Wolves and in general, since you know, December, since the start of December, has been fairly decent. Like, we've won, you know, it's been okay, like, we're doing all right. And I know, obviously, we've got the two cup ties, which is big, and then we've got you know, Liverpool away. But then after that, we do have Palace away and Wolves at home. Wolves, obviously, are a team around us, and then obviously, I know after that, it's been a bit tricky. This City and then either it's either Spurs at home or the, the Carabao Cup final, but there's an opportunity for Chelsea. In sort of in, now in two of their next three games, if they can get six points from their next three games, people, I imagine quite a lot of us are fairly happy with that. Um, and all of a sudden, the situation, again, can improve a little bit and just see where we are. There's a lot of things to work on. But in general, Jam, my kind of mind one thing is, like yesterday again, we got the job done. It was fine performance. It was like, you know, nothing to go overboard, nothing to really go crazy about. But at least Chelsea kind of just grinding out, being able to grind out some wins. Um, so it was nice And now I will just do some news. um, but, Jay, let I'll get your thoughts. C- Chelsea, because it kind of did around on social media yesterday. The Argyle promotion, right? Mm. Obviously, we've seen like before. There've been like the pictures with the men's and women's team with with the backpacks on and that book, um, reading. Like, okay, find a bit of promo. And then obviously, things went to an, another level yesterday with a uh, with, with some of the promotion of the stands with people standing up reading books. Some broke standing up, brushing his teeth. Uh, I think it's, yeah, look, I think it's cringe, right? And I think, obviously, as a fan, you kind of be like, what am I watching? What I would say is, those people were in the, basically, the hospitality, of those, like, premium seats for Chelsea, you know, Club Chelsea, whatever. Both seats that Chelsea tried to flog to you for, like, a grander game or whatever that no one's going to buy up, right? So it's not mm. like they're taking away seats from actual people who would be going to the game anyway. And what I would say is, it's cringe. Yes, it opens us up to ridicule, potentially, from other teams and other fans. But also having our performances on the pitch in general just been doing that. like, <laughs> And the yeah. way we've been run as a football club with a lot of other decisions kind of been opening us up to ridicule. That's why I don't really have an issue with that. And also, people, to be honest, I've probably got more of an issue with us having like Bing X, which is like some crypto or whatever with sponsor on our shirt or than us promoting a movie. Yeah. From a Chelsea... <laughs> it's a movie which is directed by a Chelsea fan. I think it's Todd Bowley's company or whatever that's sort of like producing or financing like... It's a bit cringe yesterday. And sure, in football it looks a bit naff, but also that's unfortunately what people... Are, I think it's just the way modern football's going. Like, there's it's commercial, it's commercialism in football and, like, Chelsea promoted a film. And this is not, like, a new thing to the top of the year. This happened in the Abramovich era, people. Like, there's been, as we've seen yesterday, there's been, there's been people bringing up examples of it. jage Fords, yeah, it's a little bit cringe, but, like, it's not gonna... It doesn't really bother me. And Chelsea won the game anyway. So there's no reason. It just felt like yesterday it was just an opportunity for people to use it as a stick to bash the owners with, which I get because I'm not really enamored by this ownership group and the way they run the football club. But it just seemed like a yesterday it just seemed like, to me anyway, and, you know, maybe people just tell me I'm wrong or I don't get it or whatever, but it just seems like and maybe they'll go, well, it's, you think it's only this, but then look what they've done in other areas, to which I'd then go, yeah, but those other areas do actually sort of affect your match going experience. I don't think a group of people for like a one off game doing this really affects your experience. But anyway, to me it just seems like yesterday people were trying to be Chelsea won again, but it seems like Chelsea. were just people were just trying to be mad at something because maybe it's just like a go-to thing that they're generally quite mad at something with Chelsea every week this season. It just, mm. it kind of, I don't know. It just seemed a bit. The reaction just seemed a bit forced to me, and just seemed a bit like meant much to do about nothing. Like I know there'll be journalists who like devote pieces to it and it will take up a lot of all time, but it just seemed like, like really, I you know, I don't even yeah. you know. I said I've not talked about it till now on the pod because yeah, there's, there's a lot more important things. To talk about it, it just seemed like people making a big deal over not really anything. Like, sure, it's a little bit cringy. Sure, it's maybe a bit tone deaf or whatever when Chelsea are in the position they are. But again, I think if Chelsea are in, a, in the top four or even in the top six, I think the mood or reaction to it is, is different. Which, again, I go, well, then I kind of struggle to be too sympathetic to their cause because it's like, you know, you're just mad at
2: Chelsea aren't doing as well. So you're taking out on something else. But anyway, just thoughts. Yeah, well, yeah, I I think I agree with you, mate. To be honest, I I I saw most of the promotion online. I wasn't at the game, so it was I didn't see how like involved it was. But it it just was a little bit silly, little bit fun, maybe a little bit cringy. But who cares what other fans are gonna say about us? Like, it's just it's whatever. It it is what it is. I think if we would have lost the game, then yeah, it would have it would have felt like really really like a slap in the face like come on we're trying to just win games here and you like are fucking around but it it, it's it's not. it was just a bit of promo you see it all the time you say football is very commercial it's just a bit of fun bit of pro- a bit different as well it's not just a it's not just a the players go and go watch this film it's going to be great they had a little bit of fun with it they had a little bit of mystery involved with like what's going on here it, it was just a bit of a bit of whatever really it's it, it is it is what it is a bit I didn't didn't see it too much of a problem. I think if we would have lost, it would have been annoying for sure, and that would have made us look silly to to other fans. But the fact that we won the game—it's just just some blokes in the stand doing a bit of a publicity stunt. I'm not not that bothered to be honest. It's there's like you said, there's bigger problems at Chelsea that than than these man. So yeah, I'll probably end up watching the film now. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It's got pe- like it's achieved its to effect. People, you are
2: and a Like you've got, it's got people
1: talking about it and got people looking up at it. it- I mean, I'd seen the trailer for it before and it looks like an interesting film. So I'll probably see it anyway. And look, it's not like if it, if it come out, like if it and if it comes out that, you know, this affected Chelsea's preparation week weather that like then, yes, obviously I would have more of an issue with it because I don't think it should affect, you know, the first team on the pitch weather. But I don't think it did. I don't think it had, you know, you know, any real issue with it. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a non-story and it was, you know. Potch's, it quotes, is quite, you know, people then joking, Potch's quotes for the first half wasn't the first half we expected, something happened before the game, but I can't explain But impact of the team. And yeah, I mean, if I knew Dua Lipa was at the ground too, then it would probably impact yeah, my performance. I would have crumbled, performance way. Would have crumbled. To Um But yeah, I don't know, I'm just guessing that, you know, that's just me joking. Cryptic Potch, again, Potch, I don't really get what you achieved by saying that comments, it just adds to more. <laughs> uncertainty but no who I have no clue what Potts was referring to but you know if if it was Dua Lipa you know then that, that, would, that would perhaps explain it but no I honestly being serious look it was nothing like it's the way football is like sure it's a bit naff sure you know but like it is what it, is. it, it had no impact and Chelsea won the game people like so be happy you know and then in a week's time no one's going to be talking about this like post you know when we don't play for 10 days nobody's still going to be talking about this in a, in a few days time so it's like a one-off it got bad publicity it got the you know it achieved the desired effect you know so yeah look it, it is what it is i mean potch even had but po- i didn't realize potch on his clothes all had all, like argyle on the on the, yeah, on the yeah, sides of his thing. jacket as well didn't he but look man like it is what it is if it's like if it was going to become like a common thing then like sure maybe but like this is you know yeah she seems a bit silly um Jay, other news. Uh David Datcher has gone to Burnley on loan. Recall from Ian, but I'm not gonna lie, I thought the Burnley announcement didn't didn't quite hit like the other announcement vids. I thought like their announcement game, like when you play that game like, at some point it's gonna come short. And I thought that Twitter video like is, you know, that, that fell quite below the marker of, of some of their other quality ones, which is a bit average. And I guess it's typical of a Chelsea a Chelsea, a Chelsea player. <laughs> Something to do with Chelsea is what
2: what ends that what ends <laughs> that Burnley cycle of, of good social media content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're normally quite good, aren't they? It's a, it's a shame, really, for, 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 for Um the, the sign in itself is a, a little bit of a shame, isn't it? Because he looked all right. He, there's maybe something there. But we will never know because we never got to see it. And it, it's just another one of those Todd Bowley signings, early doors that was just silly, uh, not thought through. And, and it's a shame. I'm, I'm happy he's back in the Prem. I'm happy that he's at a club where maybe you could succeed for him personally. But it's just annoying what we, what our, our strategy was. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think I think it's alone. I think I it's a only loan. loan. I think it's a loan. I could be wrong. I think it's a loan. But my point being, it does seem quite bizarre. But I'm, I'm already now wondering where David Trafana fits in at Chelsea. And yeah, it does seem one of those odd signs. Didn't quite work at, at yeah, Union Berlin for embassies. And Jay, Ian Martin uh, has gone on to Dortmund. I'm really happy for the lad. I think we spoke about it actually when you last on because it was just after Deadline Day. And we you know, happy that Ian and Connor stayed to fight for the place. I think for Ian, obviously, it justifies it because he's got a better loan move than it was to Burnley. Um, there's also something quite funny that he starts his first game for Dortmund yesterday and it's at left back, uh, where Butcher's basically just refused to to play him. But I think it's a loan, and they've Dortmund have I think got his first option on him. I mean, I'm just pleased for him. Like we've seen it times when he's played for Chelsea, like the physicality in this you know is a bit of an issue in this league. Like he has been struggling a bit, so I think it's quite a good move for him. We'll see, you know, if he develops and can develop well and he comes back to us, great. If not, you know, for, you know, good luck for him. I think it's a, it's just a good move. I'm yeah, you know, I think that's just like a good move all round.
2: Yeah, it it's one of them and it, it annoyed me a little bit because of, you know, the the playing Coldwell at left back and him not being great and having a left back, but obviously it's clear that he was all, probably already planning to leave. Um Chilwell was close to coming back, so it kinda all makes sense, doesn't it? And yeah, I, I wish him the best. I hope you know it's a good it's a good league, isn't it, to go to and develop uh for, for some younger players. So hopefully he does just that and and yeah, could could all be all sweet. Yeah, yeah. Indeed.
1: Indeed. So it's been another successful weekend for Chelsea. I said three Premier League wins in a row four Premier League wins at Stamford Bridge in a row first time since since lockdown. And I said Chelsea, are, you know, still now unbeaten at Stamford Bridge since that Brentford game in October. You know, so there are some some positive signs. It was nice for Chelsea to bounce back midweek. There's a 10 day break now. I think, you know, it's crucial You now that, you know, when we come back, we now enter the biggest week of the season with that. Middlesbrough Cup tie and that Aston Villa Cup tie, you know, where Chelsea season, you know, really does hinge on those two ties and opportunity to to progress. Uh so you know, we'll be we will be back then to discuss a, a big week at Chelsea. Uh but I'm gonna thank Jay for coming on. Jay, it's a pleasure. And it was it was nice
2: to discuss a win and be fairly positive about Chelsea Football Club. Uh <laughs> yeah. give yourself one last plug before you go. Now thanks for having me on, mate. It's always a pleasure. Always is a pleasure. It's been a few years now that we've been doing this. So I, I enjoy it every single time. I come on, uh, yeah. For me, Jay Tomlins FC on everything on all the social medias on YouTube mostly. Uh, I recently made a video about Stamford Bridge about the, the problems with the redevelopment. So, if Chelsea fans should be interested in that, uh, please give that a watch, I'd appreciate it. And yeah, thank you for having us on, mate. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, we won, so <laughs> happy days,
1: indeed. Indeed, Jay's links, as I said, will be in the description below. As for us, we're on Twitter or X about Chelsea Pod, we're on Instagram. That Chelsea pod run all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, Google, et cetera. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to leave a rating and review whenever I tweet the product. Any likes and reposts go a long way again, just helps us get out there too. As many Chelsea fans as possible. Uh so Chelsea now have take their turn having their winter break, and we'll be back in ten, eleven days' time to look back on a season, potentially season defining semi-final second leg against Middlesbrough. Until then, keep the blue flag.
2: Flying high. Chelsea won, Fulham nil, just leaving the ground now. We catch a clean sheet. Is that our first clean sheet in the league since Fulham away? I can't think of one sooner, but yep. Yeah, good performance all around. I wouldn't say no one was great, but no one was really bad. Solid six out of tens everywhere. Um just annoying, really, from my point of view, that the goals only come from the penalty spot. There must be some curse on the goal. Anyway, I'll ask you that question for the pod. Up the Chelsea. Thank God, there's a break next week. Not good for the heart. All of this footy. Sports,
0: social, podcast network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere.